When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. How can I help? Hi, thanks for telling my family and me about Toyota's national sales event. We got a new RAV4 during the event, and it's been great. Well, that makes me happy. Right now through September 6th, it is the best time to drive off in a new Camry Hybrid, Tacoma, and more. So what are you up to? You know, we took the RAV4 to a great spot, and now we're exploring a cave. Amazing. Yeah, my wife talked me into spelunking. I'm actually a complete and absolute amateur. Absolute amateur. Absolute amateur. Huh, I could have done without the echo on that. Toyota's national sales event is on. Visit your participating Toyota dealer today to enjoy every last second of summer. Toyota, let's go places. See your participating Toyota dealer for details. Dealer inventory may vary. Event ends September 6th. Hello again, everybody. Welcome into Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips joined by Matt O'Brien. We'll review the Clemson game today. Matt joins us each week to talk X's and O's. He's a former Gamecock football player, played for the Gamecocks in 2010 and 2011, and Matt now works for NBC Sports. Matt, good to have you along again. How are you? I'm doing great, Emerson. How's it going with you? Well, everything's okay, but the Gamecocks obviously uh, suffered another loss on Saturday, so not so good from that standpoint, Matt. A 3-9 and season. The year has finally come to an end. Give us some of your initial thoughts on this Clemson game on Saturday. I think, you know, Gamecock fans overall left the game with a fairly positive feeling, even though it was a loss, because I think a lot of folks thought Clemson was going to blow South Carolina out, but that didn't happen. Yeah, you know, uh, when the Gamecocks, my first thought about when I, when I was watching them on Saturday was how nice the uniforms looked. And I could tell you, as a, as a former player there, how much we all wanted the Garnet helmets during my time at South Carolina. So I was glad to see the uh, the players finally get it, and it kind of boosted their energy levels to go out and end the season on a high note against their rival, the Clemson Tigers. But, you know, the South Carolina team had its work cut out for them against Clemson on Saturday. The Tigers entered Williams-Brice as the number one team in the country, and they, had, they boasted a great offense. They boasted a solid defense. But the, the team did not back down from the challenge, and they did lose – but I thought they put up a, bol- a solid fight on both sides of the ball against their biggest rival and ended the season on a, on a positive uh, note, even though they did lose. Matt, the Gamecock offense scored 32 points in this ball game, and I think if you'd have asked most Gamecock fans before the game if 32 would be a pretty good number, I think most people would have taken that. What did you see that you liked from the Gamecock offense on Saturday? Well, there are a few things that I definitely did like. I thought getting different guys involved than we're uh, typically used to seeing was a, was a good thing from the offense. Lorenzo Nunez added a nice running dimension from the quarterback position. He finished with 75 yards and was really the Gamecocks' most effective rusher on the day. On the perimeter, Debo Samuel had a heck of a game for the Gamecocks. He finished leading the team in receiving with 104 yards and a touchdown. And he added a nice compliment to Farrell Cooper that I think we all expected when Debo headed into this year. Unfortunately, he had some injuries to deal with. But we saw when healthy, he's an effective weapon on the outside. And then Sean Carson, I, I thought he did an outstanding job at coming in and running hard after Brandon Wilds went down with injury. 
You know, he's a guy who's been backed up on the depth chart for a few years now, but it didn't phase him at all. He came in and ran strong. He ran hard. He ran angry. He was really the best back against the Tigers on Saturday. And uh, Farrell Cooper, I just have to hand it to him for, for finishing on another high note. You know, he had a great career for the Gamecocks. And to go out with a nice, strong performance against the biggest rival, I thought it was nice to see for him. Uh, it, it's been fun watching him play, and I was happy to see him go out on a on a somewhat positive note in terms of his performance. Yeah, great to see Cooper get that last touchdown, albeit in a losing effort. Good to see him uh, making another big play for the Gamecocks. He's made so many of them over the last three years, and I think Cooper goes down as you know one of the Gamecock greats. So, Matt, let's take a look at the other side of the coin. What didn't you like about the Gamecock offense? Well, you know, offensive line play has been an issue for South Carolina this year. And uh, I think it really affected the, the minds of the Gamecocks coaches in terms of their play-calling strategy. I don't think they had any confidence at all in, in terms of running the ball between the tackles with the backs. Uh, Sean Carson, like I said, he, he led the team in rushing yards among running backs with 52. But there wasn't much else going. Of course, Brandon Wiles only had three carries before leaving with injury. And David Williams had uh, five carries for 20 yards. But I think that they just didn't have enough confidence in the offensive line. So I didn't really agree with the play-calling there. Uh, but I understand if they were nervous because of the offensive line play in the past. But I think that's just with the, with the play calling coupled with bad quarterback play early on from Perry Orth really just frustrated the offense early on in the first half. You know, Orth threw some bad throws and he took some took some bad sacks when he didn't really need to when he was trying to extend some plays. And, uh, you know, he, he missed some throws, especially I remember one on the outside to Debo Samuel where he overthrew it. That really crippled the South Carolina drive. And it happened a few times, and uh, that's something that can't happen in a big game against your biggest rival, who is ranked number one in the country. But uh, to give Orth some credit, he did bounce back and finish with some nice throws and had better play in the second half. But, you know, just the combination of the, the offensive line not being able to open up holes in the run game and Orth not having a, a strong performance early on really uh, – hurt the Gamecock offense. Yeah, Clemson defense did a good job against the Gamecock rushing attack, and you're right, Nunez, clearly the most effective runner. South Carolina hurt by the loss of Brandon Wilds in this ball game. You mentioned just three carries for eight yards before he left the game. So we're reviewing the Clemson game here, Emerson Phillips with Matt O'Brien on Gamecock Central Radio, and we'd like to invite you to download the free phone app that will allow you to listen to Gamecock Central Radio on your phone. We've got the iPhone app out now, and the Android app has been out as well. And we're also on iTunes. Simply search Gamecock Central Radio. Matt, let's talk about the Gamecock defense. You know, I thought the effort was good Saturday, and it seemed like the D-line in particular played with just a little bit more fire than they had much of the year. Yeah, you know, the defensive line, uh, they've been very, we've been very critical of them all throughout the year, but yeah. they, they, they didn't have necessarily a really bad game. But what I thought made them look a lot better was the, the fiery play of the linebackers. I thought T.J. Holloman and Sky Moore did an outstanding job at flying around the field and sort of uh, alleviating some of the pressure that the Gamecock defensive line was facing. You know, and the biggest thing that the defense did well was manage to get takeaways. They, they forced three fumbles and recovered three, and really one that should have been extra that was reviewed and overturned. There could have been four takeaways by the Gamecock defense, but to get three in a big-time game like this one on Saturday was huge for the defense, and Sky Moore forced two of those fumbles. And uh, if that was indeed his last game as a Gamecock, I thought he did a heck of a job. He had an outstanding game. He played through injuries. And uh, what an outstanding job Sky Moore has done not only this year but over the past few years. Um, So if that was his last game, I was happy to see him go out with a strong performance. 
So that was those were an area where I thought that the Gamecocks succeeded in, but there wasn't much else that they did do, Emerson. Yeah, you know, it seemed like the Gamecock defensive effort was good. It felt like Carolina played better defensively this past week than they had much of the year, but you look at the final numbers, and Clemson had 511 yards of total offense. Uh, and speaking of Sky Moore, Matt, there was a report locally today that Sky Moore is going to speak with his family and also with his coaches before making a decision about his future. Will he return to South Carolina for another year, or perhaps he'll try his luck with the NFL draft? That will be news that Gamecock fans will be anxious to hear about, and I'm sure we'll hear more on that in the coming weeks. So, Matt, what about uh, defensively, you know, the Gamecocks uh, still playing safeties 15 yards off the line? That's been a theme that we've talked about yep. <laughs> a lot this year. And, you know, the takeaways were nice, but the Gamecock offense couldn't turn those into many points. So talk about, you know, problems with the defense, a lot of what we've seen much of the year. Yeah, you know, uh, aside from the scheme, I'll start up with up front with the defensive line. They did do a little bit of a better job and play with more energy uh, like we saw on Saturday, but they really weren't able to manufacture any bit of a pass rush, especially on third downs which really affected the, the secondary's ability to cover, especially given how far they were playing back off the ball. So the pass rush, it, it started up there with them not being able to generate any pressure. But then you talk about all the safeties and defensive backs playing far off the ball. I mean, there were times when I was watching where you couldn't even see the safeties on the screen at the snap. It was quite obvious what the Gamecocks do, were doing in terms of coverage. Deshaun Watson and the Clemson offense saw it, and they really didn't hesitate to attack any of the open windows. There was one third down and seven late in the game in the fourth quarter where Watson stared down his receiver and just picked him apart for the easy first down. And uh, that was really a consistent theme we saw all season with the Gamecocks, and it continued against Clemson on Saturday. It's been extremely frustrating to watch that, but uh, it seems like the Gamecock staff defensively just didn't see the need to change or didn't want to change it. Some Gamecock uh, stubbornness there from the coaches. And then uh, the biggest issue – like, like we were talked about, was just getting off the field in third downs. They allowed 9 of 13 conversions from the Tigers on the game, but it, it goes back to the lack of pass rush, and this is the scheme of having the safeties play so far off in coverage. It opened up huge windows and also put more pressure on the Gamecock linebackers to have to help out in the run game. It, it to me, just wasn't a smart game plan. You know, when you're, when you're facing a team like Clemson, the number one team in the nation, you're a heavy underdog. I wanted to see a more aggressive game plan. With, with blitzes and creative stunts to get pressure on Deshaun Watson, the Clemson offense, but instead we saw the same old, same old from South Carolina. And uh, I think it's safe to say we're all ready for a change. Yeah, Watson really hurt the Gamecocks with his ability to run. He had 114 yards rushing and three rushing scores in this game. And, you know, Matt, I thought Carolina did a pretty good job against Wayne Gallman. Uh, Gallman, you remember, gashed South Carolina last year for over 170 yards, and South Carolina held him to uh, just over 100 on 19 carries this year. So I thought that was a positive. But ultimately, uh, Deshaun Watson, too much time to throw, like you said, and he's very accurate when given time to throw. He was 20 of 27 for 279 yards on Saturday. So Clemson, the number one ranked team in the country, caps off their unbeaten regular season, and now they're getting ready for the ACC championship game in Charlotte this Saturday night against North Carolina. Matt, closing thoughts on the game and the season for South Carolina. You know, pretty good effort to wrap up the year, but we've talked about this the last month or more of the season. There are no moral victories, and at the end of the year, you are what your record says you are, and in 2015, the Gamecocks are 3-9. and nine. Yeah, you know, I, I was proud 
of the way that the Gamecocks fought on both sides of the ball. I mean, these kids had every reason in the world to to lay down and quit on the season, but they didn't back down. They went up against a really tough team, and Clemson is ranked number one in the country right now. But, yeah, just like you said, Emerson, that there are no moral victories in, in football. This was a bad, bad season for the Gamecocks, and really a lot of things have to be fixed for for the Gamecocks to see different results in the future. Matt, there's been some movement on the coaching front, and it centers around Georgia firing Mark Richt. And you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on the coaching search. We've been hearing for weeks. It had been widely speculated for weeks that the top two candidates for the South Carolina head job were going to be Tom Herman from Houston and Kirby Smart, the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Both those coaches obviously getting ready for conference championship games this week. So we didn't necessarily expect any movement this week. But it looks like, you know, Herman is going to remain at Houston, having signed a new contract there with a hefty pay increase. And now that Georgia has come open, it looks like Georgia is going to make a strong move for Kirby Smart, who is a Georgia graduate. Uh, Kirby Smart's wife played basketball at Georgia. You know, Kirby Smart played football there at Georgia. So it's starting to look like it'll be Kirby Smart to Georgia. At least that's been the media speculation here the last 48 hours or so so where does this leave South Carolina with the coaching search and what do you think is going through Ray Tanner's mind right now yeah you know if I'm Ray Tanner I, I, I'm sure I'm sure he has a plan you know he, he he's a very smart guy he's very successful in what he's done and uh just from getting to know him during my time in South Carolina I know that he's very respected and just everyone trusts his judgment but this Georgia opening from Mark Rick being fired you know that that's huge in terms of the landscape uh, Tom Herman obviously seems to be set at Houston. Kirby Smart is a guy who would probably be more intrigued, in my opinion, by the Georgia spot than South Carolina at this time. And then I, I've heard people kind of murmur about Mark Richt with the possibility of looking at South Carolina. He said in his presser after he was uh, fired by Georgia that he'd be open to anyone who was interested in his services. And uh, just my quick thoughts on Mark Richt. You know, I'm, I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for that guy. He's done a heck of a job at, at maintaining a very clean and respectable program. He's respected by not only people in the Georgia community, but also by uh, opponents, recruits, and their families. He does an outstanding job of recruiting and creating a nice winning culture, but also a culture uh, that is very respected across the college football landscape. So Mark Rick is certainly a coach that I would definitely uh, like to see hired by South Carolina. I'm not sure what the chances of that happening are but he's a guy who I'd definitely be interested in seeing in the Garnet and Black in the future. But with, with the Gamecock fans, the things that I, I, I seem to see a lot of is that fans are kind of mixed between seeing a, a very proven guy, a big-name guy, and the difference between that guy and possibly seeing a guy who's trending upwards. You know, uh, a guy like Justin Fuente who was hired by Virginia Tech or Tom Herman who's at Houston. They want a guy who's kind of uprising. And some people want a, a guy like Kirby Smart, who's kind of been established as a coordinator for a long time. And then there's there's different guys out there who would be uh, thrilled by a Mark Richt hire, who's had proven success at Georgia. And I just think there has to be some sort of balance there. And it's not just about the head coach. I want people to kind of realize that it's also about his assistants. He not only has to find assistants that are good with X's and O's, but he needs to find assistants who can recruit at a high level and on a consistent basis. So it's not just about the head man. Uh, whoever that may be for the Gamecocks in the future, I'm more. Uh, I'm, I'm not only interested in that, but I'm also interested in who his Gamecock assistants will be yeah. on both sides of the ball and on the recruiting front. Yeah, the staff will be a key question as well, regardless of who the next head coach is. I think who that 
person can bring with him to be a part of the staff will be a big consideration for Ray Tanner as well. Mark Richt is a very interesting candidate. I, I don't know what the likelihood is that he'll be considered for the South Carolina job or what his level of interest in the job might be, but this is a, you know, a very late uh, developing story here uh, with him being let go by Georgia over the weekend, and I didn't see that coming. You know, we'd been on the hot seat for some time. We'd heard that maybe he was on the hot seat, but I didn't see it coming. I'll be honest with you, Matt. And Rick is a very intriguing candidate to me because of his wealth of experience and success in the SEC. So in addition to him, I think the top two names that we're hearing right now are Will Muschamp, the defensive coordinator at Auburn, who spurned South Carolina last year. You know, the Gamecocks yep. met with Muschamp last yep. year and at least uh, inquired with him about interest in coming to the University of South Carolina, and he turned it down to go to Auburn. And Larry Fedora, the head coach at North Carolina, is another name that I'm hearing a lot, uh, at least here just in, just today, Matt. So I don't know if Ray Tanner's got somebody else in mind. There could easily be several other candidates that he's considering, but I think uh, based on the information that we have right now, it looks like Muschamp, Fedora, and Mark Richt, certainly in the running yeah you know any of those guys is really a strong candidate I think it comes down to who Ray Tanner and the and the the, the board really feels comfortable with hiring to be the next uh, face of South Carolina football obviously the next guy will have big shoes to fill with uh, Steve Spurrier being the last head coach there but really I, I have confidence in in Ray Tanner and his ability to put together not only a head guy like we said but also his assistants and really I want to see the new guy, whoever it may be, like we said, just maybe get some more Gamecocks involved. I, I've obviously said in the past that I want to see Marcus Lattimore have an expanded role, and I think it would just be a tremendous asset to use Marcus Lattimore and other guys who played at South Carolina at a high level to come back to the school and be ambassadors or recruiters. To have a guy like Marcus Lattimore go into a, someone's home and recruit them as a 16-year-old kid, that would be a tremendous boost to the Gamecocks recruiting so Ray Tanner and, and his board and, and whoever else is involved in the coaching search has, has a lot to think about in terms of this, this next hire. But I'm, I'm confident that they have a very good plan and will have the best interest in South Carolina. I think we're in good hands with Ray Tanner. It'll be very interesting to see how the next few weeks play out. And no question, Matt, Marcus Lattimore would be a tremendous ambassador for the University of South Carolina football program. I think that's something that Gamecock fans would love to see, uh, a young man of his character and his reputation could only benefit Gamecock football moving forward. So we'll see if there's some type of increased role for Marcus Lattimore as well with this new coaching hire. So it's going to be an eventful offseason, Matt, uh, recruiting period coming up, uh, you know, an important few weeks of recruiting before signing day in early February. So a lot to talk about, even though the season has come to a close here on Gamecock Central Radio. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking looking forward to this next – this next not only a few weeks of the coaching search, but it's also I've been a, a big fan and big follower of the recruiting for South Carolina, even during my time as a Gamecock player. I always followed recruiting very closely because really recruiting is how you kind of set the foundation for good teams moving forward. It's it's not always about the X's and O's. Sometimes it's about the Jimmys and Joes. And uh, that's why I've always been interested in recruiting, and that's why I think the next head coach will have recruiting number one on his mind for the Gamecock football program. Yeah, it looks like the Gamecocks are still good with Brandon McIlwain, the quarterback out of Pennsylvania. He's a Gamecock legacy, but a lot of other Gamecock commits and recruits kind of in a holding pattern like we talked about over the last couple of weeks uh, due to the uncertainty with the head coaching position. So we're going to have a lot of action here in the next few weeks, Matt. Once the new head coach is announced, that coach will assemble his staff, and then they're going to hit the ground hard 
uh, in terms of uh, you know trying to bring in some new talent. You mentioned recruiting, how important it is. It's the lifeblood of a program, so the new staff is really going to have to hit the ground running with recruiting, and I mean starting day one. Absolutely. You know, they're going to do their best to evaluate the guys who are currently committed to the Gamecocks and see if they fit where where they see the program headed to. I know Jim McElwain went into Florida last year, and he didn't necessarily want to keep all the guys they had committed. He didn't really see them as being guys that he wanted in their program and also guys saw Jim McElwain being hired and maybe they didn't were they weren't as interested in the Florida program anymore. So I think we will see some turnaround from the next hire in terms of our uh, Gamecock current recruiting commits. But we also will see a boost in recruiting if the right hire or the correct hire is made and that guy has a, a, a good connection and a good base with the recruits in the area. So I'm I'm not really nervous at all about the the recruiting for South Carolina in this coaching turnover. I know Brandon McElwain is my top recruit in the class. He has been for some time. He's a guy I think will be tremendous for the Gamecocks. In my opinion, he will remain with the Gamecocks no matter who the next coach is. He's a guy who's decked out in Gamecock gear whenever he's at events, whenever he's whenever he's out and about. So he's a guy I think is a, is pretty set to be a Gamecock. But it's who the players are around him coming in, and that's why it's so important just for the next staff to get, hit the ground running, just like you said. With recruiting. All right, another Gamecock commitment. Brian Edwards, wide receiver out of Conway, South Carolina, has sort of softened on his commitment to South Carolina since the Spurrier resignation, and he has somewhat opened up his recruiting again. And I know Clemson has gotten involved with him, but he was injured during his senior year of high school football playing down there at Conway. So the Gamecocks will obviously still be uh, very much a factor for him, but it looks like he is waiting to see who the next head coach of the Gamecocks will be, just like the rest of us, Matt. So, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how things play out with the coaching search and the selection of the next Gamecock head football coach, and we're going to be talking plenty more about that here on Gamecock Central Radio. Man, thanks for what you do. Yeah, thanks a lot, Emerson. I really enjoyed it. All right, that's Matt O'Brien. He's a former Gamecock football player, now working for NBC Sports, and he joins us each week on Gamecock Central Radio to talk Gamecock football. You can get breaking Gamecock football news alerts delivered to your email inbox. Just text USC to 42828. Text USC to 42828 and get breaking Gamecock news sent to your email inbox. For Matt O'Brien, I'm Emerson Phillips. Thanks for joining us on Gamecock Central Radio. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So I used the savings from switching to Progressive 30 years ago to buy tickets to the championship game. You know, between those two teams that didn't exist 30 years ago? Yeah, I'm a big Alaska Palm Trees fan. Which is a team now, in the future? So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.